Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside, repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. The U.S. House of Representatives late on Friday approved a $1 trillion infrastructure package after a months-long standoff between the moderate and progressive wings of the Democratic Party. Despite the bill's passage, a new poll shows President Biden's approval rating hitting an all-time low. It's almost as if people are starting to wake up the disaster of the Biden administration. Of more details in Hold the Line. On this vote, the yeas are 228 and the nays are 206. The motion is adopted. Welcome to Hold the Line. I'm Buck Sexton. So, they actually did something with this Biden White House and the Democrat-controlled Congress. They still have to sign the bill, but looks like infrastructure is going forward. The Senate already voted in favor of it in the past, and now looks like the House has sent it through, or the House has sent it through. So this is a moment when they're going to start trying to take a victory lap, of course, because, well, what else are they going to do? Here's Joe Biden saying this is a once-in-a-generation investment, spending a lot of your money. The House of Representatives passed an Infrastructure Investment and Jobs Act. That's a fancy way of saying a bipartisan infrastructure bill, a once-in-a-generation investment that's going to create millions of jobs, modernize our infrastructure, our roads, our bridges, our broadband, a whole range of things, to turn the climate crisis into an opportunity. And it puts us on a path to win the economic competition of the 21st century that we face with China and other large countries and the rest of the world. There is no climate crisis. So whenever they start blabbing about that, you just want to have your you know, eyes roll out of your head. It's insane. But this is what they're betting on, that they will pass this infrastructure, or they pass this infrastructure bill, and now they're going to pass the Biden so-called Build Back Better agenda, the enormous multi-trillion dollar spending package that they are looking to get done as well. And this is what the entire Biden White House is really hinging its hopes on. Because other than this, looking rough out there. Biden approval, Suffolk University poll, USA Today poll out, Approved 38% now. In August, it was 41. Disapproved 59% in August is 55. So trending in the wrong direction. But that 59% disapproval rating is a kick in the face, isn't it? That's a rough one. Plus, you've got the Harris uh, approval poll. Again, USA Today and Suffolk University. 28% for Kamala Harris, okay? 28% of people think that Kamala Harris is doing a good job as vice president. Now, this would usually not be such a big thing as a vice president, it doesn't really matter. 
But as you know, there are many people who believe that Joe Biden may not even run for a second term. Some are even concerned based on Joe Biden's age and possible health complications of somebody at that age that Kamala Harris would be tapped to step in for him before he even finished his first term. And that then would leave us with a President Harris who has no political mandate, not very much at all in the way of political support, and no particular political skills, which raises the concern or the issue of how did she become vice president exactly in the first place? But that's perhaps a conversation we'll have to continue into greater detail another time. The point, folks, the big takeaway here is Biden is floundering. His whole White House is administration. Yeah, they're going to spend a whole bunch of money on some things and hope they've paid off enough people in the unions and other places, you know, climate change, Green New Deal stuff, that it'll get some votes out for them. But the American people, by and large, see this and say, this is what failure feels like. This is what failure looks like. And that's not a good thing at all. In fact, even the Biden chief of staff for the White House, Ron Klain, is saying there is frustration with Biden's inability to get the economy humming the way it's supposed to. Voters are tired. Americans are tired of how long it's taken mm -hmm. to get the economy moving, to get COVID under control. Uh, I feel the frustration personally myself. I think everyone does. Oh, yeah, I'm sure Ron Klain's really worried at night about paying the mortgage. I'm sure he feels that frustration of the rise in the price of milk and all the other issues that are coming together right now. Yeah, it's really, really tough for Ron Klain out there. Look, friends. This White House is run by people who do not understand what's actually affecting not only the economy, but what the challenges are of everyday folks. And that then comes across as well with Joe Biden's turnaround on the issue of compensation to illegal immigrant families that are not even supposed to be in the United States in the first place. Last week, Biden said it was a pile of malarkey that they may get very large cash payments. This week, Joe Biden got quite snippy with reporters when he was asked about the payments to the families of illegal immigrants who were separated from each other during the Trump administration after they had chosen to violate U.S. law and come into this country illegally. Here's Biden saying, yeah, actually, they, they deserve to get paid. I changed my mind. Now, here's the thing. Sure. If, in fact, because of the, the outrageous behavior of the last administration, you coming across the border, whether it was legal or illegal, and you lost your child, you lost your child, it's gone. You deserve some kind of compensation, no matter what the circumstance. What that will be, I have no idea. I have no idea. Ugh, he really is the worst. He has no idea. His DOJ is supposed to be making the determination, they say now. He's just handing it off to an unelected bureaucracy to decide how much in the way of tax dollars is going to go to these illegal immigrant families that were uh, allegedly separated from each other during the Trump administration and have not been able to be, in some cases, reunited even to this point. Biden's uh, deputy White House spokesperson, Jean-Pierre, uh, repeatedly refused to actually address this question today when posed by journalists. Now that the president is on the record uh, as of Saturday supporting compensation for illegal immigrants who are separated from family at the border, who counts as separated. If somebody was just separated for a few hours or a few days, would they be eligible to settle a suit and get this payment from DOJ? So, Peter, I will direct you to the Department of Justice for any specifics on that. We have, we have, you've asked us this question, we have answered it, and I will refer you to the Department of Justice on any specifics. Great detail, though, about the policy. So if he can answer it, I just, I'm curious, going back to 2018, some illegal immigrants were given a choice 
get deported alone or get deported with their kids. If somebody chose to be separated, chose to go back by themselves without their family, would they be eligible to settle one of these lawsuits? Peter, I'm going to refer you to Department of Justice. I don't have anything more to say, and I'm going to move on, okay? Yeah, DOJ, whatever, ask them. Hmm? Hold on a second. What's going on? You're the White House. DOJ is actually in your chain of command. We're supposed to know what's going on here. But they don't want you to know what's going on. They certainly don't want you to think about the fact that everything's getting more expensive, including heating your home this winter. It's going to be rough. Remember, the Biden people all hate climate hate the climate change crisis stuff, and they, they don't like drilling and oil and natural gas. Oh, they hate all that stuff, which means that they're making it harder for producers, which means things are getting more expensive, including heating your home. Here's the energy secretary, Granholm, saying, yeah, it's going to get more expensive to heat your home. Should Americans in what will likely be a cold winter, most of them are, expect to pay higher prices for heating their homes? Yeah, uh, th- this is going to happen. It will, be, uh, it will be more expensive this year than last year. Oh, what has gotten better exactly about the whole Build Back Better situation? Yeah. We'll have more on the Biden plunging approval ratings. The first TV's TNLO. We come back. I want to talk to you about protecting the most valuable asset you own, your home. If you own a home like me and you don't guard with home title lock, you're inviting home title fraud. It's one of the fastest growing crimes. Cyber thieves around the world know that our home values are sky high and that makes us a target. The crime is really simple, actually. A cyber thief forges your name on a property sale form and refiles it. Now he's on the deed to your home, and you have no idea if you're a victim. Then he takes out loans on your home's equity and vanishes, leaving you to prove to the police you didn't commit bank fraud. Home Title Lock puts a virtual barrier around your home's title. The instant they detect tampering, they help shut it down. Look, if you have equity in your home, guard it with your life. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and register your address to see if you're already a victim. Enter radio for 30 free days of protection. That's code radio at hometitlelock.com. The first TV's TNLO joins us next. Stay with us. As I reported earlier, the president's approval ratings have sunk to an all-time low of 38%. The latest poll from USA Today and Suffolk shows nearly 60% of Americans disapprove of Biden's job performance. If you think that's bad... The vice president scored even lower with a 28% approval rating. The White House is dismissing the plummeting numbers as a result of a tough year. Sure. Here with Reaction, contributor here at the First TV and Washington Examiner columnist, Tina Lowe. Tina, good to see you. Thanks for having me, Buck. Tough stuff for Biden here. And I just wanted your top line audit. I thought it'd be bad. I didn't know it'd be this bad. So Trump's fatal flaw was that he had a ceiling. We knew that there was a certain coalition of suburban moms, certain coalition of you know voters of color that were never going to go over for him. But he also had a floor. He had a hardcore base that would not abandon him. Biden, it seems, didn't have a ceiling at the beginning of his presidency, but now he does not have a floor. There is no limit to you know how bad these numbers can get. Also, quite frankly. If we're just looking at what he has done, what are his signature achievements? He got one big COVID spending bill. He has one infrastructure package, if you can call something where only 10% of it actually goes to hard infrastructure, infrastructure bill. And, you know, the Afghanistan debacle, COVID not going away, the economy in worse shambles than it ever was under the Trump presidency. There's no real constituency. He isn't giving anyone red meat. Biden did not, I mean, it was Abigail Spanberger, who is a Democrat, who knows that they're going to have a bruising midterm election on the way. She said Biden was not 
elected to be FDR. He was elected to be not Trump. I and mean, he can't even be not Trump well. Here's the results that I mentioned from a, from a poll here. 64% of America does not want Biden to run for re-election. 30% of those are Democrats, plus 47% support the Build Back Better Act, 44% oppose it. These, uh, these are not the kind of numbers that a first-year president would want to see, Tina, that's for sure. No, and one of the big issues for Democrats also is, you know, if Biden was just meant to be, you know, a Band-Aid just to carry them for the next four years, that's fine if you have a good backbench. But who do they have? They chose Kamala to get them over the finish line in the 2020 election, and she's disappeared. You know, she is, she's what, at 28% in that poll of uh, favorability? That's like Neville Chamberlain during World War II level of support, you know? Like those are numbers that we see in parliamentary democracies in Europe where, you know, you're only supposed to have minority support. When is the last time you've had a, we have had a vice president with 28%, a politician with 28% support? You know, that's the same number that uh, Faith in the Media has. And so what do they have? They have Kamala, they have Secretary Mayor Pete, who's, you know, he's on cable news, but according to everyone I speak to on the Hill, he's not doing any of the work flipping votes in the Hill. This is a White House that's being governed by three people, Ron Klain, Susan Rice, and Rashetti acts sort of as their envoy to Congress. The fact that it's no one visible, this is this is a shadow presidency, and it's not a particularly good one because we aren't dealing with people who have a clear and concise agenda. You have a president who you don't know what he's gonna say next. And you know, for all that we complained about Trump, you know, being erratic on Twitter and just throwing things out there, you had a pretty unified Republican caucus that knew how to respond. When Trump proposed something truly insane, everyone knew that you had Mitch McConnell, you had Jared Navanka, you had Mark Meadows. They were going to make sure just to keep the course in the right direction. Who is holding back the Biden administration? He throws out a wildly unpopular idea like pulling out of Afghanistan, right? Where his administration has no buy-in. But then they can't even redirect to something that actually is popular. Infrastructure should be popular, and they can't even make that popular. Latina Gensaki disagrees with some of your assessment, I'll have you know. Here's what Saki Baum has to say. What do you suppose is the reason that we've seen a slide in the president's approval ratings? I would just go back to what our view is, is that um, we're still going through a hard time in this country and people are tired of fighting a pandemic. They're tired of the impact on their lives. Some of them are sick and tired of people who won't get vaccinated, who they feel are impacting their ability to live life in a normal way. Uh, some people are still fearful for loved ones. And we all thought that it would be over at this point in time. Hmm. So it's the pandemic, huh? That's what that's what the problem is with the Biden administration. Yeah, the White House took two fatal and totally opposite uh, mantras as truth. They took, we need to keep mandates in place, mass mandates, vaccine mandates in place to protect the unvaccinated, to protect the unvaccinated, and also blame the unvaccinated for prolonging the pandemic. Those two statements are in direct conflict from each other. Because if you're saying that the only reason why this pandemic is going on is because people who are unvaccinated are getting sick, then at the same time, you can just say that's their choice. And if that's what they chose to do, then we just have to return to normal, which we all know is the true thing. But instead, the White House wants to have it both ways so it can seem like they're being sympathetic, but actually, so that way they can just shut down small businesses and tell everyone to live in the pod, eat their bugs, and shop from Amazon.
It's and that's not what Biden was elected for. Biden was not elected to turn this into the into the forever pandemic. You have Rochelle Walensky over the weekend at the CDC saying, "Oh, masks are also good because they prevent the cold and the flu." Well, if that's what if that is the next goalpost, that's into forever masking, forever pandemic. That is not why Biden was elected. He was elected to be not Trump and return to normalcy. He's failed on both fronts. Tina, switching gears for a second here. Uh, the Secretary of Transportation, still amazing when I say that out loud, Pete Buttigieg, <laughs> formerly the mayor of South Bend, Indiana, uh, he was talking about the infrastructure uh, package that the, uh, that the House passed just on Friday. Here's what he says about all the great things it's going to do. When combined with the Build Back Better Act, the bipartisan infrastructure deal, which collectively I like to think of them as the big deal, uh, an answer to the New Deal or the Square Deal before that, um, they're going to create a generation of good union jobs. They're going to make historic investments in equity and in the fight against climate change. They're going to make sure that America can compete and win in the decades ahead. I don't think the American people right now, by and large, I know there's always 20 or 30 percent of you know, nut job leftists. But uh, I don't think they're worried about equity and the fight against climate change so much. No, they aren't. An infrastructure bill, you can't. Okay, so they're trying to do this with the second bill in Congress. They're trying to call it the human infrastructure bill. That doesn't mean anything. You don't invest in equity. That is not a thing. You can invest in more jobs. You can invest in more bridges, more roads. Investing in equity is not a concept. The English language still has to mean something. But in, you know, this is Pete Buttigieg, a career middle management guy, a McKinsey guy, trying to apply the same white collar language that corporations across America use to justify shipping jobs to slave camps in China, but tether it to the wokes that right now have the Democratic Party by a chokehold. So instead of just saying it's better to have more jobs and that will you know, affect people who are, who are less privileged, it has to be we are investing in equity, which again, is not a thing. These people do not know how to speak the English language in a way that, that the average little guy, that Main Street understands. And there's a reason why last week was the worst week in a decade for Democrats, electorally speaking. I know, hopefully many more to come. Good to see you, Tina, thanks for being here. <laughs> Thank you, Buck. The trial of Kyle Rittenhouse entered its second week today. The 18-year-old is currently facing a jury for shooting three men during last summer's riots in Kenosha, Wisconsin. Coming up, lawyer and co-publisher of Human Immense, Will Chamberlain, gives us an update on the proceedings and what we can expect as the verdict gets nearer. I want to tell you about my friends at My Digital Money. Crypto is hot. You can see huge swings up and down, of course. you got to know what you're doing. How do you get into Bitcoin, Ethereum, all this crypto investing out there if you've never done it before? That's where my digital money comes in. It's an easy to use, self-trading crypto IRA platform with amazing customer service. Your comfort and security is their absolute top priority. They offer you an unparalleled military-grade security for your coins. Look, the crypto market's heating up again. This could be the best time in a long time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll be right back with more. Hold the line. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery 
to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. The trial of Kyle Rittenhouse has entered its second week. Until today, the highlight of the trial had been the testimony of Daily Caller reporter Richie McGinnis, who captured critical video of the night Rittenhouse shot three people. McGinnis testified that Joseph Rosenbaum, one of the men killed by Rittenhouse, chased and lunged at the teenager before he fired his gun. Take a look. And you've already established that after the shooting, Mr. Rosenbaum never says a word, correct? Correct. You don't know, as you sit here today, what Mr. Rosenbaum was thinking, do you? You mean at the time of the shooting? Yes. Or at any point in his life. I mean, you have no idea what Mr. Rosenbaum was ever thinking at any point in his life. You have never been inside his head. You never met him before. You don't know. I've, I've never even, I've never exchanged words with him, if that's what your question is. So your interpretation of what he was trying to do or what he was intending to do or anything along those lines is complete guesswork, isn't it? Um, well, he said, F you, and then he reached for the weapon. Hmm. Yeah. The case against Rittenhouse also took a major hit this afternoon when one of the prosecution's key witnesses admitted to pointing a pistol at Rittenhouse before being shot. Joining me to break this down is Will Chamberlain, attorney and co-publisher of Human Events. Will, good to see you. Great to be with you, Buck. I mean, first, before we get to the, the big bombshell today, we'll hold this for a second. I just wanted to have you react to the prosecutor there with the, well, you have no idea what he's thinking, and the guy saying, well, I kind of do. <laughs> what do you make of it? I think, you know, there's two big prosecutorial mistakes. One is being too tricky and technical, right? The difference between what you saw and what exactly you knew. I mean, in common parlance, when you say um, that you knew something, it doesn't mean that. Um, like in, in common parlance, when you say like, you know somebody's intentions, you can just base that on what they're doing. Um, and then the second mistake is asking one too many questions, right? Like if he had just established that he hadn't been inside, um, what's his, uh, inside, uh, Rosenbaum's head, then that would be enough. He did not need to ask the next question. But but then when he went on to saying, so what you think is complete guesswork, then that's when he gets the slam dunk in his face. Um, yeah. So I think the, the prosecutor just made the, the classic, you know, he's effectively cross-examining his own witness, which is another bad thing that you don't want to be doing. Um, but he made the, the, the classic mistake on cross asking one too many questions. Now, speaking of slam dunk situations, this one got a lot of attention today. This is Gage Grosskreutz, who was one of the Antifa lunatics who was running around during this, who got shot in the arm by Kyle Rittenhouse. He had quite an admission today. Let's watch. With your arms up in the air, he never fired, right? Correct. It wasn't until you pointed your gun at him, advanced on him, with your gun, now your hands down, pointed at him, that he fired, right? Correct. Hmm. I mean, I'm not a lawyer. You are. That's why we have you on here, Will. But I do know something about use of force. And I also feel like when you have a gun and someone points a gun at you, 
It's pretty clear self-defense, if there is such a thing as self-defense, but take me through the legalese here. Yeah, well, I mean, you're allowed to use deadly force in self-defense if you reasonably perceive that someone is about to use deadly force against you. Um, Mr. Grosskreutz's testimony would indicate that there isn't any remaining question about whether uh, Rittenhouse would have thought he was facing deadly force since at the moment Rittenhouse shot, uh, the Mr. Grosskreutz was pointing a gun at him. Um, that, that would seem to end it. And any real, I mean, honestly, I think the, the proper um, result of at least the count with regard to Grosskreutz, right? I mean, Rittenhouse was charged with shooting him in the arm. Um, the proper result of that is what's called a directed verdict where the defense doesn't even need to present their case. Uh, it just, the judge says, as a matter of law, um, Rittenhouse is not guilty because the testimony presented by the prosecution is sufficient to, to demonstrate that. Could that still happen or would that already have happened? No, that could still happen. Basically, the way this, that motion, the motion for what's called a directed verdict would happen at the end of the prosecution case. So when the prosecution is done presenting witnesses, the defense would say, the prosecution hasn't met their burden, Your Honor, please we issue a directed verdict. And that's when you'd you'd make that decision. Um, most of the time that, that motion gets dismissed out of hand. And you also, most of the time, if it's granted, it's usually they wait until after the verdict, oddly enough, because there, there's some logistical reasons why, like if that way, if you get reversed on appeal, you don't have to redo the whole trial. Um, but uh, here, it, I mean, it's so blatantly obvious that the prosecution doesn't have a case, can't possibly prove um, that Rittenhouse didn't act in self-defense, that it seems like a straightforward directed verdict. There's even more on this when we're talking about the Rosenbaum incident here, who got, again, shot in the arm. He survived uh, the exchange. But here's Ryan Balch, a military veteran who was armed alongside Rittenhouse in Kenosha, testifying about Rosenbaum's actions. I stepped in and told everybody, chill out, calm down, stop doing that. I turned and had an exchange with one of the protesters. I get it, get what you're trying to do, but like, not this. And when I turned around, Rosenbaum was right there in front of my face, yelling and screaming. And I would say, dude, back up, just chill. I don't know what your problem is. And he goes, you know what? If I catch any of you guys alone tonight, I'm gonna fucking kill you. And he said that to you? Correct. Did he say that to the defendant as well? The defendant was there, so yes. I just want to correct something. Rosenbaum was shot and killed by Rittenhouse. It was Grosskreutz who was shot in the arm. Uh, but, but so this is about the Rosenbaum shooting, which was a fatal shooting. And uh, Will, you know, how does this go toward that specific count or that incident? So, right, again, the question is, um, under the circumstances, uh, did Rittenhouse reasonably believe that he was about to face the threat of deadly force from Mr. Rosenbaum? The combination of Mr. Rosenbaum chasing after him, lunging after his weapon, um, combined with the fact that previously Mr. Rosenbaum had indicated that if they were ever alone, he would try and kill them, I think makes it pretty clear that uh, Rittenhouse had a reasonable belief, an objectively reasonable belief, that he was facing the imminent use of deadly force against him if he didn't shoot Rosenbaum, which is the classic definition of self-defense. So how do you see this going from here on out? What, what are, I know it's tough to get inside the mind of any jury, but has this been just assessing it legally so far been a stronger defense uh, situation for Rittenhouse than was anticipated? How do you see it? Yeah, I think, I mean, it, it was anticipated to be strong because the video evidence was very favorable to Rittenhouse's self-defense claim. Um, and it was, it's always been a much weaker case than the one against Derek Chauvin, for instance. 
Um, and also, in general, the trial has gone really, really well. Uh, the witnesses have imploded. Um, you, there was nothing like this kind of cross-examination moment that ever happened in the Chauvin trial. Um, I think I think ultimately there were, you know, the defense lawyer Chauvin actually did a good job. And it, in my view, created reasonable doubt on the issue of causation um, in that case about what exactly how George Floyd died. But this is this is a slam dunk. This is a and I, and I expect we'll see an acquittal. I mean, the level of embarrassment and humiliation the prosecutors have experienced so far, it's I've never seen it in any trial before this. And this is exactly the kind of case that prosecutors normally decline to prosecute because they don't want to get embarrassed. Will, thanks for being with us. Appreciate seeing you. Thanks for having me. The fight against critical race theory in America's schools motivated voters not only in the race for Virginia's governor, but in local elections around the country. We come back, the founder of the 1776 Project PAC, Ryan Gerdusky, explains how last week's red wave had a massive impact on America's school boards. Let's talk about a potential investment opportunity. You ever thought about investing in real estate? I want you to take me up on this recommendation. Visit doneforyoubuck.com where you can learn more about my friends at Done For Your Real Estate. If you haven't checked them out, let me make this easy for you. These guys have found a way to make real estate investing straightforward and their system works. I know because I'm using it. It allows everyday hardworking Americans to finally own investment real estate without all the risk and difficulty of doing it on your own. Look, I can't tell you in strong enough terms during this quick commercial how important it is you check these guys out. So how about this? If you visit doneforyoubuck.com, at the top of the page is a podcast interview I did with Done For Your Real Estate where you can hear my experience with their company in my own words. I'll tell you about it in detail, picking the city, the house, getting the broker, the loan, even getting a tenant in place so I get cash flow coming to me every month. Visit doneforyoubuck.com, listen to the podcast interview, and give my friends a chance to show you what they can do for you. We'll be right back. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Last week's electoral trouncing of Democrats wasn't limited to governor's races and state legislatures. Conservatives also made strong gains in public school board races across the country. Those gains were driven in part by the 1776 Project PAC, a group that was recently formed to focus on electing school board members that oppose critical race theory in public school curriculums. In total, the group won three-fourths of its 58 races across seven states on last week. Not a bad result. Joining me now is the founder of the 1776 Project PAC, Ryan Gerdusky. Ryan, felt like a good day for America, good day for you last Tuesday. Tell us about it. 
Yeah, so I had candidates in states like Virginia, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Kansas, Minnesota, and Colorado. We won over 40 of those races. There's a few that's so close, but we'll win definitely over 40 of those school board elections. And uh, it's great. Uh, you know, I was able to use PAC money uh, donated to me by thousands and tens of thousands of small dollar donors to send mailers, do texting, do digital ads on behalf of these regular moms and dads and, and recent high school graduates themselves who believed in things that I think all Americans should believe in. Um, and meritocracy, individualism, a patriotic version of American history, something that is being attacked by the left. So here is where the CRT issue, of course, came up big. The Democrats still seem to be taking this position that, well, it depends. Sometimes there is no CRT. Other times, if you oppose CRT, you're racist, which seems strange because how can you oppose something that doesn't exist and how would that make you a racist? But here's Representative Steve Cohen uh, saying that CRT, at least in Virginia, Ryan's not even a thing. The man that won the governor of, of Virginia, uh, I understand he's a nice fella. I had a friend that worked at the Carlisle Group with him and said he was a nice guy. I'm sure he is. But he campaigned to win and he campaigned and talked about keeping racial, cr critical racial theory out of the schools in Virginia. Was not in the schools in Virginia. I want to keep dinosaurs out of the bathrooms of, 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 of little girls. We don't have dinosaurs in the bathrooms, but I could be against it, and everybody's against it. And that's the same thing about this critical race theory in Virginia. It doesn't exist. <laughs> I mean, just what, what is Democrats even? Have, yeah, Democrats have three lines. Uh, if you oppose it, it's racist. Teaching it means teaching American history for African Americans, or it just doesn't exist, you Looney Tune. Those are the three things. They contradict each other immensely. But no, critical race theory, it's not being taught as much as it's being practiced. So when they do things like in many schools across the country, they have something called privilege walks, where all the students line up as young as third, third and fourth grade and are asked, if you are white, please take a step forward. If your parents are married, please take a step forward. If you are not disabled, please take a step forward. And it distinguishes those who are privileged from not privileged. That happens across the entire entire country um, in different school boards, uh, in different school districts. In Atlanta, school districts are separated, literally separated by race. Uh, in New York, they ended the gifted and talented program because uh, it's not equitable. That is critical race theory in practice. Uh, in other school districts, they they uh, they push textbooks and, and classroom books that explicitly tell critical race theory. And in in and in uh, in Northern Virginia and in Virginia, there were there were library books that were supportive of critical race theory and of other things that fall under the CRT uh, uh, umbrella. Uh, books in in elementary school teaching children about having oral sex. That was in the Loudoun County School the School District. A lot of um, a lot of the diversity and inclusion programs being pushed by uh, superintendents are all based in critical race theory doctrine. So the idea that it does not exist is a lie. And by telling people that they are crazy, you are only inflaming their anger more and more. And these aren't nuts who believe in this. These are everyday normal easygoing centric Americans who a lot of them probably voted for Joe Biden and then went around and either killed liberals in the school or not killed them, but defeated them in the school board districts and in and in Virginia's governor's race and in the state legislature in New Jersey and in Virginia. And Ryan, here, when we're looking at what the takeaway is from the left, right after that big loss last week, the Democrats said the following about Americans who chose to vote for Republicans. Here you go. Glenn Youngkin 
played the race card for a reason, because he knows it works on certain white voters. He did stoke white grievance politics to mobilize the Republican base. He's laundered Trump's really sort of disgusting, flagrant outracism. Yep. He's wrapped it in education. Yep. Education, right. which is code for white parents don't like the idea of teaching right. about race. That's the fundamental problem for these parents and this anti-CRT movement. They don't like the way whiteness is being portrayed in these new, more inclusive lessons. Yeah. This wasn't about those pocketbook issues. This was about how white kids feel talking about what black kids go through. I mean, just first of all, it's amazing that you can attack whiteness in any way you want, as viciously as you want. And if anyone has any objection to what feels kind of racist, you're, you know, that, then you're actually racist for objecting to the attack on whiteness. MSNBC's out of its mind. But do you think the Democrat Party is taking this as the, as the takeaway, that essentially they lost, uh, they lost in those elections in Virginia and elsewhere because the people are racist? If Glenn Youngkin was any more bland, he would literally be a glass of milk. I mean, this is the, probably the most easygoing, reasonable person. He said nothing explicit about anybody else. But no, education is now a term for whiteness and for racism. These people are a joke. They are literally a joke. And you know what? If any governor candidate or local candidate was just advocating for creating specialized classrooms, specialized learning programs, specialized budget matters to promote, you know, accomplishments of straight white men in American history, which would probably be the longest class in, 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 the, in, the, in the year, um, they would be ripped as being explicitly racist. But sit there and say CRT, critical race theory, privilege walks, books that explicitly make children feel bad about the race they're born in, no, that is racist. These people have lost their minds. And by moving so far on the culture and moving so far left on the culture, they are alienating people who would be with them on a number of other issues. But look, there's a lot of, and there's no shame in this, there's a lot of white moms who don't want their white sons and white daughters coming home in tears because they feel bad about the way they were born, just like there are black and Asian and Hispanic and Native American parents who feel the same exact way about their children. There's nothing racist about that. This is, I mean, they're lunatics, they're lunatics on MSNBC. That is for sure. Ryan, if people want to get involved with what you're doing and, and support you, where do they go? 1776 Project PAC, P-A-C, PAC.com. Check it out. We got to win back those school boards, got to win back education and the country. Ryan, good work. Good to see you. Thanks for being here. Thank you. President Biden congratulates Sesame Street's Big Bird for pushing the COVID vaccine for kids after some Republicans call it propaganda for five-year-olds. Tell you my thoughts on that coming up in Quick Hits. I want to tell you one more time about my friends at My Digital Money. A lot of people want to get into crypto. Bitcoin, Ethereum, coins can have huge moves, right? How do you get started? That's where My Digital Money comes in. It's an easy-to-use, self-trading crypto IRA platform. It's got amazing customer service. They'll actually answer your phone call and help you get started. Plus, they can hook you up with a Play Money account so you can test the market without actually risking your cash. The crypto market's heating up. This might be the best time in a long time to get into this exciting technology-based investment. When it comes to your money, you deserve a team of dedicated professionals who have your back, speak to you honestly, and treat you like a human, not a number. Check them out at MyDigitalMoney.com. That's MyDigitalMoney.com. We'll be right back with tonight's Quick Hits. One teacher begs her students to wear masks so she doesn't risk getting COVID and miss a Harry Styles concert. And the left goes after NFL quarterback Aaron Rodgers again, this time for his vaccination status. This time for 
quick hits. Uh, if you ever turn on MSNBC, there's a very high likelihood that their topic will somehow be about race. Doesn't matter what the day's news cycle events are, or whatever, they'll make it about race. Climate change, it's about race. Taxes, it's about race. Any issue, they'll find a way to bring it back to race. And they'll also find a way to attack Republicans and suggest somehow that the Republican Party is a bunch of racists and white nationalists and other very evil, bad things. Joy Reid is among those most likely to engage in this constant smearing of those she disagrees with on a whole range of political issues. And here's what she says about the Republican base. Republicans say to their base, what do you want? Oh, I'm sorry, you, you, you're okay with white nationalism? We can work with that. What else do you want? Oh, you don't like the fact that uh, Donald Trump lost? You want to go ahead and break into the Capitol and do an insurrection? Okay, we'll figure out how to work with that. Um, you want to like maybe not be so anti-neo-Nazism? You want to play with neo-Nazism? Mm -hmm. See, how can we work with that? I mean, stupid smears endlessly at MSNBC. It's amazing who they'll put, who will pay a lot of money to, uh, to be on TV these days. You know, Joe Scarborough, these are, these are people that they put on are uh, really, they're actually just hurting the country at some point and they're treating their audience like a bunch of fools, which is just appalling. Yeah, Republicans are fine with neo-Nazis. I mean, who believes this stuff? Well, unfortunately, idiot leftists do in many places across the country. Big Bird, eight feet tall, bright yellow, vaccinated. Yeah. Joe Biden replied to the Big Bird vaccination controversy, right? Big Bird had a whole interview where he said he's vaccinated. Biden re responded by tweeting, good on you, Big Bird. Getting vaccinated is the best way to keep your whole neighborhood safe. Now, honestly, you could look at this and say, if Big Bird were an actual bird, uh, perhaps this would be creating, you know, an animal reservoir for the virus in the first place. So I guess they could maybe actually get the virus to not be infecting Big Bird if they gave it the vaccine, but it's kind of crazy, isn't it? The whole thing doesn't really make any sense. But they want kids to get the shot, that's the point, even though they have a one in a million, a one in a million chance of actually getting a, a fatality from the virus whatsoever. That's the mortality rate of it. They don't care, they don't care. Aaron Rodgers was asked about his vaccination status. He said he was immunized and they did not like that. They view that as a very, very bad fib and they're very upset with the Green Bay Packers uh, superstar quarterback, I believe last year's NFL MVP. Here is MSNBC, of course, having someone say that Aaron Rodgers put lives in jeopardy. And Rodgers did two things here that I think a lot of people are going to have a really hard time with. First of all, he lied. Uh, you know, he chose his words, immunized, you know, obviously uh, dodged the question about whether he was vaccinated or not when he was asked back in training camp. Uh, and then he also put his teammates in danger. And he gave this interview on Friday that was just that was just so damaging, uh, promoting conspiracy theories, attacking the cancel culture and the woke mob, you know, saying how Joe Rogan was his expert analysis. Meanwhile, this is Aaron Rodgers. He's a top three star in the NFL. He could have access to any medical personnel he would like. Uh, but apparently he was in the NFL. I'm maybe last year or whatever. I don't really care about professional sports very much, as you probably know if you listen to my radio show. But the point is, he didn't put anyone's life in danger. This is insane. Libs need to get a grip and stop being crazy. That would be really helpful. Speaking of libs need to get a grip, here's a teacher telling students to wear masks because, well, you can listen to her say it. This is one last time. Everyone cover your noses because I am not getting COVID because I want to see Harry Styles in concert next month. So everybody cover the nose. I swear to goodness gracious, if 
I get COVID the week that I'm supposed to see Harry Styles, I don't know what I will do. But I don't want to, I just, I just don't, I don't even want to think about it. So cop the nose! Anxiety disorder, that's what all these adults that are making kids mask up have. They have it, they have a mental illness, they have initially, I think, a belief in the authority and elites around them such that they are unable to think for themselves, but now it's turned into something that's pathological. It's a problem. They need help, actually. They need to seek help. As ever, tonight's Hold the Line, the No Spin News with Bill O'Reilly is up next. Shields high. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.